Welcome back to another episode of Double Shot, a sports podcast. Uh, welcoming you back, me, is uh, Hector Sandoval. And on the other side, we got the Lugo, John Paul Lugo. How are you doing today, John? Doing all right, doing all right. Um, so we got a couple of things that we want to touch on this week. Uh, I know we missed, we had a, uh, we kind of fumbled the last episode pun intended, uh, which was supposed to be about the Super Bowl. We had some technical difficulties there, so we weren't able to put that out. Um, and now we're a few few weeks removed from the NFL season and a few weeks into the ever-exciting XFL season. Um, but uh, today we wanted to touch on a couple of on a couple of topics. We don't want to go too deep into, into any of the games that are happening right now, but kind of an overview. And... Uh, It'll be, you know, starting off with the uh, the I Promise Foundation, the news breaking about LeBron's uh, family foundation, followed up with some uh, some Spurs news and debating what we should do on the coming road, and then um, hopefully close it out with some a little bit of NFL news that we received last week. Uh, but to start off, I, I did want to I did want to mention the LeBron James Family Foundation. Uh, I got to tell you, JP, I, over the last. Over the last few years, I've come to appreciate the athlete that is LeBron James a lot more. Um, I wouldn't... Before this news started breaking, I still wouldn't have called myself a fan. Um, But I can wholeheartedly say now, like with the knowledge that I do have, I am a fan of LeBron James. I mean, the, the athlete, the person, everything about him that he's done with his career is astounding to me. And well, I guess what I want to get into is what's going on right now in Northeast Ohio. There is something incredible, really, really happening uh, with the kids in Northeast Ohio. And um, for those of you who don't know, the I Promise Foundation or the I Promise program is a product of the LeBron James Family Foundation. And just to kind of preface this, LeBron James was a kid, an 18-year-old kid. Similar to Kobe that we talked about a few episodes ago, um, an 18, they gave this kid, this 18 year old, like $20 million or whatever, however many millions upon millions of dollars when they first brought him into the league and, and to, to be able to keep your composure not lose yourself, not get caught in super media scrums and, uh, not be in the tabloids all the time. Like with that with that power at that young age coming from where you came from to be able to overcome all of that is, is a feat in and of itself. But in 2004, LeBron started the LeBron James family foundation. Um, and that really has, has left such a great trail already and paved an amazing road for the kids in, in Ohio right now. Um, so, you know, the news that broke last, what was it last week? Yeah, let me see. When was that? It was um just uh yeah just about just about a week ago. It was on I was on Thursday. Okay, so the real quick just the the top the news that brought this topic up for us was that um LeBron James partnered with Kent State University and uh, they offered the kids in his program in his inaugural class who are now juniors 
they offered all the eligible students four free years of tuition and their first free year of room and board. Um, completely free. They won't have to end their whole th throughout their four years. They'll have no loans that they that they would have to pay back. It's an amazing thing, right? It's really cool. But it, you know, it kind of got overlooked. And it wasn't until I did a little more research into how this all came to be that that it kind of opened my eyes. So kind of the basis of this is that research and studies have shown that third grade, for whatever reason, third grade is when at-risk students can be accurately identified. So at-risk would be at risk of graduating. So they're saying that these kids already in third grade, they can tell whether they're going to be like shoe-ins for college or whether they may not even make it to graduation. That's kind of shitty. It sucks, but, you know, if you can tell, like, what's what's shittier, that you're calling it or that you can call it? You know what I mean? Like, that, that research has shown that much. So, anyways, these kids that are, what, I'm assuming 9, 10 years old in third grade, um, they're already being told from the get, you know, you, you're an at-risk student. So, what LeBron James did with this I Promise Foundation is their program starts in third grade. So, the, the basis of this foundation is from third to fifth grade, the students are are in this program and then from 6th to 10th grade sorry 6th to 11th grade they're still part of the program but they're only in the mentorship so that's just the that's what the I promise thing is but just a real quick breakdown of what he's done since 2004 so since in 2004 the family foundation was founded in 2008 he hosted his first bikeathon to bring all ages together in the city of Akron he loves absolutely adores his hometown of Akron Ohio um and his his core has always been family values and getting everybody together. So he's he does his first charity thing with the bikeathon. That doesn't really last. It was a one-off. From 08 to 2010, he enacts a series of one-off events, like a, a lot of stuff that were just uh, one and done. Uh, but they were all geared towards a family atmosphere. Uh, he did multiple, like I said, multiple events. But he still felt like that there was something else that he could do. So in 2011 was when. Uh, LeBron refocused the entire foundation uh, to point towards the education and the lives of these at-risk kids in the public school system. So he creates the I Promise program. Uh, he hears that, you know, like we, like I said earlier, in third grade, they're starting to be deemed as not, not likely to graduate or, or some not likely to even make it through high school to graduation. So he decides that that's where he's going to start the program. He's going to start it in third grade to get to the root of it. Um, from 2011 to 2013, the program provided everything from resources to incentives um, that the kids need in order to stay in school and grow academically. So they're not only giving them all the resources of classrooms, or actually at the time it wasn't the classrooms, but uh, resources as in like even family therapy, people that are going through like domestic abuse and all that stuff, like they provide all of that for these kids that were chosen in the program. And they were chosen through the lottery, through a lottery system, sorry, I should say. So in 2014 uh, is the first We Are Family reunion. So LeBron hosts a back-to-school party uh, to kick off the year for all the families of, of every student that's in his program. Um, in 2015 is when he partnered with the University of Akron to guarantee, he guaranteed that all eligible I Promise students, which means as, soon as, as long as you have your grades and your attendance, all eligible students that are in his I Promise program will receive free four-year college scholarships to the University of Akron. So, I mean, when you think about it, we kind of, as a society, not as individuals, but as a society, we 
we, yeah, we know, like, oh, yeah, street cars, that sounds badass. Like, oh, full ride, that sounds cool. But when you really think about it, that that phrase, that, that guarantee there, that instantly changed the lives and the perspectives of families all across Northeast Ohio. Like, they have a chance now. They, he instilled hope where hope may not have existed before. And these inner city kids or these kids that were always told, like, you're not going to make it. Now all they have to do is get it together, and they got it free. Like, they're going to have the rest of the ride for free. So that's 2015. In 2016, he established the I Promise Institute on the University of Akron campus. So now, mind you, this is all, like, year after year after year. Like, this guy is moving. This is all while he's winning championships, getting his team to the finals. Like, he's still there in person doing these things. In different cities, because for the long time he was in Ohio, but then he went to South Beach. Now he's in L.A., but he's still doing all of this. So in 2016, he established the I Promise Institute on the University of Akron campus. The I Promise Institute is a 24-7 resource center that's geared towards acclimating the program students, the ones that made it out of his program and to the University of Akron. It's, it's geared to getting them accustomed to uh, life in college. So it's a 24-7, anytime they're feeling anything from they need a tutor to they can't hack it anymore or they don't know how to manage their funds or pay their taxes or do whatever it is that they have to do. Um, they, they have this resource center and mind you, all of these, all of these resources and stuff, they're, they're available to the families of these students as well. So in 2017, the board of education formally announces and approves the design and creation of the I promise school. So he had a program all along, but these kids were still, uh, they were scattered around the, the districts, right? So it was basically like an after-school thing or like, I don't know what to equate it to that we know of, but, but you could be at, at any school and still be part of the program, still use their resources. But in 2017, they said, okay, we're going to build a school. So on July 30th of 2018, a year later, a year later, they had already opened the school. They got to building the school in a year and maybe a couple months. Um, they got the lessons plans down. They hired the teachers. They did everything they had to do. On July 30th, 2018, the I Promise School opens its doors for its inaugural class of 240 students. So the school runs from third to fifth grade. After they get out of fifth grade, they scatter again. They go to whatever schools they want, but they're still part of the program. So every year, even these sixth to 11th graders come to this block party, bring their entire families. Everybody is involved. Once you're a part of it, that's it. Like you're there. They've got your back. LeBron has your back. In 2019, uh, LeBron announced the I Promise Village. The I Promise Village. He teamed up with Graduate Hotels and uh, they they picked this this um, building and started doing uh, renovations and whatnot that was close to the I Promise School. So they planned this so well, and they're so into it that this building is on the same, they made sure that it was even on the same side of the street as the I Promise School so that these the people that were staying in this building didn't even have to cross a major intersection to make it to school. So what the I Promise Village is, is it's, it's basically a safe haven or safe housing for families of these students that are in the program who maybe have to get out of a dangerous situation, maybe there's domestic violence or drugs, alcohol addiction, anything that is not safe for the students or their families, and they're allowed in this, this uh, I Promise Village. So, and then also, that means they're living two blocks from the school. They have a safe way to get to school every single day. I mean, this guy's making it 
Like there's there's almost no struggle in these. Obviously, they still have everybody's got struggles, but he's making it as easy as possible for all of these kids to get everything that they deserve. Um, so that's 2019. The I Promise Village comes in 2019. In 2020, which is the news that we were talking about, Kent State in one of their so every summer. The kids in the I Promise program, they attend these uh, summer enrichment programs at Kent State, and it basically teaches them. It's like any kind of summer advancement um, that you attend. So in this past summer, they went to the Kent State, and Kent State announced that all the students from the inaugural I Promise class. So when they started in 2011, they were in third grade. This year, they're juniors in high school, that inaugural class. They announced that all the students from the inaugural class who are now juniors will receive free tuition for four years and free room and board for one year, which is what we mentioned earlier. Um, so now aside from them having that four free years at University of Akron, they can also choose these four free years at Kent State if they choose to go there. Um, it's, it's spectacular to me because, like I said, we hear free years of tuition, free, free school, whatever. It sounds cool, but when you actually think about it, no one, no one, no one has done anything like this. No kind of athletes that I can remember. I don't know if, if you have any kind of recollection, but for this long and to be this involved in kids' lives, and not only in theirs, in their families. So a couple of things that they do is, uh, so like once a month, and this is throughout the school year, once a month, every month, except for December, they have a family feast. The Family Feast is a night hosted by the I Promise program. It's for all grades, 3 to 11, and for all their families. Literally, like, their mom, dad, brothers, sisters, everybody can go. Um, and there's resources. So it's like this big block party, right? Like this, They got food, music, fun, whatever. But they also have resources there. They have counselors there. They have anywhere from a counselor for domestic abuse to free blood screenings. Like, it's, it's just that you go and it's a one-stop for everything that you may need for your students or for your families. Um, it's He's taking care of everybody. They have another thing that they do is every year they do a hometown innovators. So he's obviously the Akron is the rubber city. Um, that's where the headquarters for Goodyear is. So the purpose for the hometown innovators is to um, help the kids find the passion by opening doors and providing access to unique opportunities in Northeast Ohio. That's what they quote. Um, that invigorate their minds, basically just trying to show them uh, for people that have become innovators and made a, a craft out of this or made a, a living off of it. Um, so this year, uh, they're taking limousines for all the kids. Every class gets to go on their own separate like outing. They're taking limousines um, to the Goodyear factory where they'll work with the team that drives the Rubber City and learn ways that they've that they've applied innovation to stay on top of the game. Um, so. One of um, one of um, one of LeBron's quotes that I was looking over when I was when I was trying to uh, research all this was uh, what he said was initially our work was focused on helping these kids earn an education, but we found that it's impossible for them to learn if they're struggling to survive, if they are hungry, if they have no heat in the freezing winter, if they live in fear for their safety. Like that is a genuine concern for for people to to not have struggles in trying to advance you know what i mean like there's a difference between and one of the notes that i wrote down when we were trying to get this outline was that it wasn't just another donation and what i meant by that was and i'm not trying to downplay any donations i, I love any kind of charity work i respect it 
Um, but it's different from from just donating to a cause that you may never actually see through, you know, or organizations that end up being uh, launderers or they, they use the money for something else. And, like, this guy is not only donating to an organization. He is building these structures. I'm going to build you. I'm going to create a program that's going to that's gonna help you. And if that's not enough, I'm going to build you a school where you can go there. It's not just a program anymore. Well, that's not enough, so then I'll, y- you get lost when you get to college, then I'll build something at that college so you can stay there for your resources. And you have trouble getting to my school, like, I'm, I'm going to build you a house next to the school. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's really, really in these people's lives, and he's genuinely concerned and genuinely trying to make a difference. And that's something that I, I have never, ever seen and that I greatly, greatly respect out of LeBron James. Yeah, well, what he's basically doing is addressing what we have kind of known all along but has never been addressed by anybody else before, which is pretty sad, is that, you know, it's, you know, life, you cannot look at single issues in life in isolation. You know, everything is connected to one another, and usually the source of life struggles is poverty. You know, Mm -hmm. kids find a safe haven in school through 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 academics through extracurriculars through sports um you know just being away from home being in an organized structure like school and um it's kind of it's kind of bizarre to me that uh that uh it, it, it i feel really conflicted about it like obviously what he's doing is an amazing thing uh, you know, he's changing so many people's lives. There's no doubt about that. But the question that I have, I mean, it's kind of a downer, but I think to myself, like, why, why this long by someone like LeBron? Because we can talk, um, all we want about, you know, how, you know, schools need to be making a better difference. Um, you know, how we need to learn how to keep, kids off the streets, teach them how to be more academically inclined. But I mean when it comes right down to it, I mean that's that's where the that's where it stops. Mm-hmm. You know, no, and you know, he has taken the extra step. Like people think that it's just a matter of getting a tutor or you know, forcing a kid to study, isolating them with a book and thinking that that will solve their problems when in reality it goes way beyond that. It goes to poverty. It goes like you said, it goes to, it goes to housing. It goes to food. It goes to health. It goes to mental health. It, you know, these are all things that especially can affect a child going, and you know, because they're humans going through developmental years, and um, it's just, um, it's crazy to me that I think that this kind of thing is easily attainable for the rest of America. But, you know, it's, you know, I'm glad that it started somewhere. Like, I'm glad that LeBron is using part of his wealth to make this happen. But um, instead of looking, I, I, I'm of the mindset that people in power should not be just sitting back and thinking, oh, good for LeBron. They should be thinking to themselves, you know, how to be involved with that. And if they're not thinking that, then I think there needs to be structure in America that says how can we require this throughout the country this isn't something that should just be you know a nice story for kids in akron it should be a regular part of life for everybody it's like it's like those stories that i 
fucking hate those stories that are like, this kid, like, raised this much money to, you know, pay off, uh, you know, the school lunch debt for all the kids in the school. It's like, that's not a happy story. That's a fucking sad story that your school has to be saved by a child doing child's work Mm -hmm. so that your kids can eat. Like, that is absolute bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I just... um, you know, it's it's just uh, it's really infuriating to me because I think to myself like the world can be so much better off with you know this type of structure, but yet we see this as an anomaly when it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah, no, and I feel you on that. And but so the good thing is, and now since it has started, his goal now is well, obviously it's to continue to expand this, but also to make it known like make it widely widely known uh so that we can change so that some kind of some kind of other different schools can come in and 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 follow the same model and the way that we get that to happen is exactly what we're trying to do right now which is just starting the conversation he has started the conversation now we have to make it a little bit louder so he you know he did this it started with just a little after school program or whatever now he's partnering with colleges there are multiple universities that are looking towards him and and they're reaching out um, to partner with him. So they're trying to change the way that their school works uh, to a certain extent, you know, because they're not going to change everything right away, but they are they are noticing. And uh, and on top of that, also, the even the the vendors that come for the uh, that come and donate for the uh, the family feast nights. Um, I was reading that like last one last month they had Italian night or whatever. And the. Obviously, he paid for all of it. He sponsored it or whatever. And, and so the the vendors that helped, or the caterers, I should say, the caterers that helped ended up doing the whole rest of the month or the next month, every single bowl of pasta that they sold, all the proceeds would go to the I Promise Foundation because that conversation was started with them. It was reached. They reached out to, they were reached out to, they ended up coming, contributing, and they were able to experience firsthand just how great this system is working and how much not only are the students being able to to better themselves but they're also mending kind of family ties you know i can't remember ever sitting at dinner with my family and i love my family like we hung out we were cool but i never sat down and had a dinner with them around the table and that's what these events are allowing them to do and they're allowing them to do it not only with their families but with other families of students that go to the same school and it's base it's just forming such a tight bond in the community and i i do think it's being noticed and yeah it does suck that it took this long and it sucks that it takes a basketball star to do this like and i'm not saying oh he sh- he's got better stuff to do this time that's not true but he is a busy guy like he's i mean for a guy like that there's no off season you're always working you're always always constantly working and we've never heard so much as a complaint or even a brag come out of him like i haven't ever heard him him brag about it or anything like that which is what took me so long to kind of realize what magnitude this is at and so just to kind of express how much different it is and and kind of the numbers that that are opening the eyes of public school systems around the nation are uh so these kids were in the first percentile and i know when you hear the word first it sounds really good the first percentile means 99 percent of the of the population student population was better than they were at their test results at tests that were administered um by the nwea i believe is the is the abbreviation 
Um, and they're not in the 90th percentile right now, but going from the first percentile in the first year to the 35th percentile, that is an um, enormous jump. So uh, it says, let me see, what's what was the stat that I was looking at? Uh, let's see. The 90%, okay. So the 90% of I Promise students who met their goals exceeded the 70% of students district-wide. So all these kids who were in the 1%, which were the lowest, lowest, literally the very lowest people, they met their goals and they exceeded 70% of the regular kids in like in the rest of the of the district. They scored in the 99th percentile of growth in the evaluation of, of associated school norms. So benchmark says you take one in August and then you take one in May. Their growth was better than 99% of every other kid in the school district. Um, which the school district said showed the students scored increased higher rate than 99 99 out of 100 schools nationally. They Their growth rate was better than 99 of 100 schools nationally. Or sorry, 99% nationally. So Mr. Mr. Lake, the, who uh, he's part of the board there in, in Akron, he's been with the district for 20 years. He said that stu- the students' leaps, a, a leap like that wouldn't be expected in an entire school year, let alone in half of one. So they made these changes, they made these improvements from going because the I Promise School is still in the school district. It's it's still a public school. It's not a private school. So it's still very much mm-hmm. part of the district that they were in, but it's a different environment with more emphasis on on uh, on aid, on actually focusing on the kids. Um, um, so they, they, they performed from August to December in a way that the board has never seen in a whole year like nobody's ever nobody's ever advanced that much in a whole year of school and they did it in less than half of a year these kids that that changed to the program um so he says uh, he said your percentile doesn't move that much unless something extraordinary is happening and it's not only a different environment but lebron also donated an an extra six hundred thousand dollars just to hire more teachers because teachers are overloaded, as we see, which opens the door for that conversation, too, as we see in the vast majority of schools that we've ever heard of, classes are ridiculously overloaded. We're asking teachers to do a lot with, with so little that they're, get, that they're being given. So he made sure that not only the students had a good learning environment and, and good resources in their classrooms, but that the teachers were well-suited to deal with every kid that came into their door and, and that there were enough of them to deal with it so that nobody really was overwhelmed in the entire system. So I do think that that it is, um, obviously it's extraordinary and, and people are catching on. And, and when you start, like when the universities are seeing it, then the it's obviously gonna trickle down. Hopefully, anyways, the high schools will start seeing it and the public schools will start seeing it. But it also goes it goes deeper than that because then they have to get funding and and that's another thing about him making this a public school thing and not a private school thing like he is still he's helping the district he's not only creating a school or helping one school because his kid went there you know what i mean like and and it's gonna go deeper what i mean by that is we're gonna need more people like that to contribute because otherwise then we're gonna have to rely on government funding and yeah that's what it should be they should be paying for that but Right now they're not, and I feel like he's doing everything that he can to, uh, to, to make 
an enormous change and I, I I just really hope that a lot of people follow follow in the footsteps that he's laid out. And that's kind of following what I was going to be asking next is that who who's who should be expected to be the next person to take on this challenge because you know LeBron is only one person. Mm-hmm. This is one school and you know he you know he's not going to be able to overturn the whole education system in America mm-hmm. and you know without uh and you know, without the structure in place to distribute, to distribute income, and to, you know, gear more funding towards ed- the education system in the country, and be able to, you know, be able to construct this kind of school system, it kind of just stops here. Like this is a this is an experiment that is clearly working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's but uh, you know who would be the next person to take it from here because this is where. It kind of um, you're kind of running a slippery slope as to where where exactly do we go from here? Because you know I, I don't think that the answer is a coalition of athletes mm-hmm. that are going to be following in the footsteps of LeBron. You know, athletes have other things on their mind, and for the majority of athletes, you know, across the leagues, you know, what is you know there are only a handful of stars who are even capable of doing something like this for the most part athletes are making a salary on a yearly basis similar to what a donation is from LeBron. You know, LeBron is able to do this because he's the most recognizable uh, basketball figure since Michael Jordan, maybe the most popular sports figure in America. You know, his, you know, has so many endorsements he doesn't know what to do with, has a Nike lifetime contract. You know, these are things that he is capable to do because he is literally he he is probably the most financially prosper, prosperous athlete there is mm-hmm. and so it's it's pretty easy to say you know who you know hopefully other people see this and take notice and catch on but this is something that requires a movement mm-hmm. not just from athletes but from the public from people in political power from people of financial power it takes a huge movement to do something like this and you know like you said i mean hopefully they see this and hopefully there's enough movement to make something like this happen you know it's not going to you know happen anytime soon you know hopefully you know by the next decade we're able to see a movement across the country but um yeah i think um you know, these are the kinds of programs that we people can say to themselves, of course, that would be nice in theory, but it would never work in real life. Well, mm-hmm. now we have some evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's it's going to be an even longer process to kind of do something like that uh, through the political side because of all the red tape and whatnot. And these guys, it's different for these guys because it's their money. They can do whatever they want for it. And then people are going to be like, yeah, well, he's only doing it because he can write it off. Whatever, dude, for whatever reason. That's the way that this particular person is choosing to allocate their money. And I I mean, I hope, I don't hope that, oh, everybody else in the NBA or in the NFL or whatever does the same thing. But I hope that the culture in general turns more to focuses like these. And it, it kind of begs the question, for me anyways, it begs the question, like, are we are we not glorifying this kind of behavior enough? Are we not putting that into the spotlight enough to where, like you said, I mean, it's, it's unrealistic to expect uh, every athlete to do this, but really like, is it not cool 
What what have we Dude, we do something wrong in society that we don't put emphasis that people don't want to. That's not their first thought. They'd rather go out and buy a ridiculous thousand, hundred thousand dollar chain or something than than give back to society in any way, not just in this way, but in in any kind of way. I feel like the the majority of of stars who we make stars really are are I don't want to say misusing their funds because it's their money they earned it, but are allocating it in 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 positions that don't really help anybody themselves included so is there like is there something that we should be doing some kind of viral fucking challenge or hashtag or something that we could do to make this more important for people or is it just like a lost cause we just got to hope that that people get it together well, when when you say well that th- that there's the slippery slope of it when you say that you hope that this you know this type of uh, work you know turns focus for people is like what 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 are the who are the people mm-hmm. that we're talking about here because you know we can talk all we want about how we want athletes to be giving back but uh, you know people and you know people who become wealthy you know. They don't, you know, there are so many people in this world who are aware of the things that they can do with their money, but they just choose not to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a part of it is, you know, just because they want to, they want to be as wealthy as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, that again, resurfaces the question of, you know, what should we, what should the standards be? Who should we expecting this from? And should there be, um, a governmental structure in place to enforce that you know why should we count on athletes to fix other parts of the american system of education like you know these are the same people who grew up like the kids who are currently attending the school are and realize that they be- could become you know they have the potential to become a pro athlete and did exactly that and they realize and they came from you know being poor, being homeless, and now, and now they have so much wealth that they don't know what to do with. And you know, we see people who you know learn how to invest it properly and be able to capitalize on it. And then we see other people who don't know how to manage it and who go broke after they retire. You know, these are th- you know, there there are so many factors in place that th- this is not going to be something that is. Um, going to be fixed in sports i mean even if you've got athletes across all sports to to fund something like this like you know that's not going to fix all the country's problems Mm -hmm. and why should it these are athletes like there are other people whose job it is to make this better and they're and they're just not i mean we can talk about lebron putting the school together LeBron has a net worth of $480 million. And let's take a, and, you know, I would, earlier, I'll just, let's take a wild guess. Let's just, let's just look up someone random and see what their net worth is. So I looked up the owner of the Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. His name is Richard DeVos. His net worth is $5.1 billion. Gotcha. And nobody even knows who that is. Yeah. And, and, you know, this isn't just a single case. This is owners across all sports. These are people in tech, people, you know, in international affairs, uh, you know, p- 
people who were born into the wealth, mm-hmm. politicians. You know, I I am of the mindset. You know, you know, it becomes a whole political thing. You know, you can't you can't ask to address American systemic issues without making it a political issue. Right, I right. am of the mindset that people who are making more money should be able to provide more back to the country. I am a person that thinks everybody that there should be a tax prorated by how much you make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if this is something and, you know, it would be geared more towards the wealthy class mm-hmm. because, you know, if you, with a simple tax, with with something like that, you can address so many issues. There are, you know, just like with LeBron, it, it becomes so much more than that because yeah. then you talk about the education system, then it be, then it becomes homeless system, then it becomes healthcare, and you know there are so many issues that can go that can be addressed if people focused on what are the source of the issues and who are the people empowered to address them instead of looking at other famous people and saying be more like LeBron. Mm-hmm. Famous celebrities are not going to save the world. The people who were trained in the political system, in the educational system, those are the people in position to do so. And there should be more of a focus on caring more about the politics, about the state system, about the you know the various systems across um, uh, across a lifespan of pe- that is you know affects people's lifespans. Right. This isn't something that, um, at the very, very least, this is just, this should just be like a butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't going to be, it's not like, it's not like, you know, it's not like Bernie Sanders is going to win the presidency and then fucking team up with LeBron to tackle the education <laughs> system. You know, there are people who know more about the education system than LeBron James. Yeah. And so, you know, this is just something. This is, if anything, this is going to be one example that was still very needed. Now we know that this can work. Mm-hmm. This at least has the promise to work. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. And so, <laughs> and so, why the fuck not? Why mm-hmm. don't like people need to? Uh, you know, it. They know what to do. Like, it's not going to be like, like they don't realize. Things that they could change in society yeah. if they if they if they portioned off some of their net worth back to the community. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing, but there needs to be things in place to fix it. Yeah. Well, I I I, I definitely agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, I think I just want to salute the the those that do care, those that do try and and do. And actually make differences, and it's uh, unfortunately it's few and far between the people that we know. Um, um, but but yeah, I wanted to recognize that. I wanted to recognize everything that that he's done. And like I said, this is coming from a guy who never, never considered himself a fan of of the way that LeBron went about his sports comings and goings. But um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely a fan now. I. I appreciate everything. I respect everything. I'm looking very much forward to everything else that has anything to do with the I Promise program. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that this blueprint doesn't go uh, unnoticed. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Uh, let me see. 
Hold on, wait. I'm doing one more quick thing. Okay, so as I was looking that up, I realized, um, let me see here. Okay. Yeah, so when I was looking that up, I realized that um, Richard DeVos, oh, yeah. former, actually, owner of the Magic, mm -hmm. because he's dead now. But I was looking up, you know, just as an example, a couple of other people mm -hmm. who can do something similar. Dan Gilbert, owner of the Cavs, net worth of $7.12 Joseph Tsai, owner of the Nets, $11.6 net worth. Jesus. These are things that... You know, and we look at LeBron as someone who has made it to like the very like far end of you know how much an athlete can capitalize mm -hmm. on their wealth and on their talents, mm -hmm. and that still doesn't even hit a fraction mm -hmm. of what the people who run the league actually have to their name. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I I, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it like that. But yeah, I mean, he's not even scratching the the surface with those guys yeah and so when i and so i say all this to say that whenever you think about whenever you see stories about a new school or people you know making gofundmes to help fund things like for their school helping kids get food or even like it, it i mean it spreads across everything for healthcare. every time you like see go like online fundraisers for people going through cancer treatment or whatever just think about like why why doesn't the country already have something in place to address these issues like why like like why do we see this so often and why aren't they better taking care of the people who even for the people who are not like the most underfunded underprivileged people like the ones targeted for this school even people who do well off who did what they were supposed to do got a job got insurance you know are still facing the struggles and who at the drop of a hat if they get sick if they lose their job they are right there like they plummet straight down to the bottom to the place where they tried so hard to avoid mm -hmm. you know that this this shouldn't be the way that america should be structured yeah and so just to think about more about you know how we can use our influence how we can you know be more supportive to the politics of the nature to try to make the change that we want to see. We got to do better. Absolutely. Okay, so what do you want to touch on next? Or you want, do you have anything more to say on well, that? Well, I was going to... No, no, I think I've said said my piece. Uh, as as news comes in, though, believe that I will... I will talk about it again because it's a story that I can't get enough of and I can't tell enough of. Um... So, yeah, I mean, do whatever research you want to. Anybody who kind of doesn't believe what I'm saying or whatever, because it is, it is kind of far-fetched if you just hear it. Um, but whatever you want to look up, look it up. And um, hit me back if you have any any contradictions. Um, and I wanted to say on a lighter note, but is it really an, a lighter note? I feel like this morning was the first day that I realized that... I'm. I think I might be ready for the Spurs to just tank. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> your your preseason prediction was very wrong, and the Spurs not suck. yet, <laughs> not yet. It's not wrong yet. Technically, we're five games behind the number eight spot as we record this right now. 
Um, technically, we could still make it to the playoffs. Ipso facto, we could still win the whole damn thing. So don't, sure. count, don't count me out yet. I'm just, but I, I am coming to the realization that it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and so we say that at the current moment when the Spurs are closer to falling to third to last than they are making the playoffs. And God, this year has sucked so much. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin with. It's just so sad because it's, we're starting to see the team unravel. Like this really can be the beginning of an era of mediocrity of lottery picks. Um, you know, a total rebuild, and I just do you do. You, but do you think that that's what we need is a total rebuild, or do you think we just need to be, you know, dead in the water for a little bit to be able to come back? And what I mean by that is, should we have gotten rid of at least one of the two main pieces in, in the trade deadline? Uh, being Demar or Lamarcus, should we just chalk it up and hand the reins over to the kids and try and see what happens? Really, at the point, the beauty of the beauty of not making playoffs and of accepting these streaks ending is that now we basically don't have anything to lose. We could do whatever the fuck we want. We can sit. We probably won't, but you could sit Lamarcus and Demar for more for more time than usual and let these kids play. I saw what fueled it for me this morning is um, I saw a quote from DeJounte Murray uh, talking to Lonnie, and he said, uh, I swear we're going to take over this shit when we get that opportunity, brother. And I'm like, dude, these kids are ready. Like, they've got moxie. They they want to at least try. Like, should we just fuck it, man? Chalk it up. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. But we're going to play all these fucking kids, and we're only going to play these kids, and we're going to see what we have. Because maybe... We're a fucking piece away. We're one lottery draft break away from bringing it all together and starting off with a young core. But Ken, do you see, is there a way, do you see a version of the Spurs that can be back in contention while still having Lamar and DeMarcus on the team? No, that's what I'm saying. I, I No, I don't. I, I, exactly. If, so if we got to get rid of those guys. Gonna, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we should have we should have done that, right? Like it would have hurt because Demar was going off at the time, and Lamarcus, you know, had other options, and he came to us, he chose us, and we haven't been able to produce for him. So it would hurt to let them go because they. I mean, Demar didn't want to be here anyways, but we wanted him here. We he was our replacement for Punk Bitch Goai, but we wanted to treat these guys right. We weren't able to give them rings, so it would have sucked to let them go. It would have kind of been a dick move, but. We should have done it. We should have just we, if we're gonna, if we're we're, we're what twenty three and thirty one or something like that. Yeah. Like I've had to forcefully give up the hope of a fifty win season, and really that's not even out of reach. We have to, we can win twenty two of the next twenty eight games, and and maybe, but uh, or sorry, seven, twenty seven, twenty seven of the next twenty eight games. Um. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. They go 27 and 1. We could still hit 50 yeah. wins. <laughs> yeah, see, so I'm still kind of holding on to that. Um, 
but yeah, when you come to that realization that we got nothing to lose and we might as well just we should have gotten rid of them and we should just let the kids play, man. And see what see what we got. But the th- the tricky thing about it is that uh, there is something t- there to me there is still something to lose because Demar and Lamarcus they they still have value. You know, they d- you know, they don't fit well with the pieces on our team, but they still have value elsewhere. And this was just a really crappy time for them to be most available because they could be trade chips for teams still trying to push for, you know, a championship pursuit. But nobody who is in that circle right now has a fit for those guys Mm -hmm. or they don't have the salary cap to put, you know, to structure a deal around those guys because those guys still make a lot of money. And, you know, no team, no uh, mid-level or no uh, bottom-of-the-barrel team is going to give up all of their young assets for a guy like DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge because that doesn't get them anywhere. And so... um, I was hoping that they would be able to put something together, but, you know, obviously that didn't happen. Um, I still think that there's a way that they can get things done over the summer, but that still requires a lot from a team who desperately, desperately does not want to tank. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that um, the, prevalence, the, the prevalence of the idea of tanking also has to come hand-in-hand hand with the idea of pop retiring because yeah. I don't think pop wants to be here to to you know to see them tank yeah. but then um you know that's the only way whenever Dejounte is talking about getting that opportunity along with Lonnie that's the way to get it because Damar is a very ball dependent guy he needs the ball in his hands in order to be the most effective and these guys cannot see the length of their potential if they have someone in front of them taking the possessions that they need in order to develop Mm -hmm. like those guys like they complement each other now but they can't coexist because there's always going to be this idea that what if damar is holding them back Mm -hmm. and there may be evidence that they are because the toronto raptors versions with the with derozan they always fell flat on their face like they were a good team but Mm -hmm. they always fell very flat and i don't think it's a coincidence that once they got rid of Demar, they became so much better. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can pin that on Kawhi, yeah. but even after he left, they they're on pace mm-hmm. to be as good as they were last year. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is just more evidence that Demar is not a person that can be a key figure on a title team. Like maybe he can be a third option on a title team, but he takes possessions like if he's the primary option mm-hmm. that's not that's not gonna work it's just not so i'm really hoping that the spurs can still make a deal for him over the summer i'm hoping that they can do a sign and trade and be able to send him somewhere else and i'm hoping that they can do the same thing with lamarcus if they if they keep lamarcus then at least put him in a position where you know the other young guys can still play where Jakob can still play where um, Shamanich can play. Um, Man, Shamanich. Uh, I want to see Shamanich so bad in there. But it's not going to happen unless we're ready to, to lose. So, okay. So, 
And and yeah, it's like okay, so when is it not even considered tanking anymore? Like when is it literally we have no hope of making it, so it doesn't matter what we do. Like not losing on purpose, but not trying to win because it it's not gonna make a difference, if that makes sense. Um Well, I, I'm I'm already I think they're already at that point, you know. I think even if they tried their hardest I don't think that they make the playoffs. I think the Grizzlies are too good. They've been on a crazy tear with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Brandon Clark, who I was hoping the Spurs would draft and they chose not to, uh, has been a key figure in their play so far this year. You got the Portland, who who started off terribly, but has been able to come back on the shoulders of Damian Lillard. And then right behind them, you have the Pelicans creeping up. You got the Suns creeping up. Even the fucking Kings. Mm -hmm. And, like, these are all teams who are desperate to be better. Like, these are all teams who have been stuck in the purgatory that the Spurs have been, are experiencing now. They've been stuck in that for years. And they desperately want a sign that there is something better on the horizon. And I think that you know, they're going to take advantage of that. I mean, the Pelicans got off to a horrible, horrible start, and now they have Zion back, and they could be on a huge tear. That's a good, like, exciting young team. It was, It's a bunch of dudes with chips on their shoulder because LeBron traded them all. And then a couple of super – or one superstar kid that just came. And, I, honestly, I like Jackson Hayes too. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen any of the Pelicans games, but I know he's on the team, so I don't know how well he's been playing. But I do know that they, they have a lot of young talent on that team. And I'm I am excited to to get a little more into them now that football's over. Yeah, and so um, it's it's just not a good time. Like I mean, the next few years, I don't think that they're going to be in that position. I mean, it, I mean, it takes two things. It takes for the Spurs to gather the talent to be that good again, and then it takes the other teams to not be as good as them too like do we really like we can see it's easy for us to say we can see the spurs moving up in the rankings within the next few years but what version of them is better than the lakers or the clippers or hell even the rockets or jazz it's like that's those are teams who are very comfortable in their skin and who if they go on a hot streak can win the title and you, you could throw Denver in that group. And, you know, you got people towards the bottom end who probably are not going to win it, but nobody wants to see OKC or Dallas or Memphis. Like, the Spurs don't have the talent to be at the top, and they don't have the edge to be one of the lower seed upsets either. Like, I just don't see it. And it's just... I, I do think that there needs to be a major overhaul. I think DeMar... And Lamarcus have got to go, and I think that they just need to hand the reins to, to the young guys. And you know, I think you know as much as it hates to admit it, I think that they should be tanking and see what kind of pick that they can get this year. Which all in, we can save this segment for a future, for a future podcast. But this, they really picked the worst timing to suck because the <laughs> NBA because the because the. The draft this year is such a hit or miss class. Like mm-hmm. there is no, there are no for sure prospects in this draft, mm-hmm. and it sucks. And um, you know, it's there are so many people who are on the bubble who I'm sure can be really good players in the NBA, but there is no superstar. There, 
it's you know there is nobody. Whoa, who's man! For what sure. about uh, what about your boy Lamelo? <laughs> the guy's a shooter <laughs> who can't <laughs> even shoot. Nah, I don't want him on the Spurs. I don't mind him, but I don't. I don't think he's a good fit. Yeah, and they really need to go after a wing or forward or a big man. Like I'm tired of them stockpiling the guards. Like please just let. Derek and Lonnie and DeJounte do what they want and invest in the front court for once, please. So when is yeah, I know. I know I feel you on that. I feel you on that. So when is it open again for, for available trades? Like when can they even talk trades again? As soon as they're eliminated from the playoffs. As soon as the oh, season really? is over. Yeah, teams who are out of the playoffs and then teams as they get eliminated from the playoffs can start trading again. Wow, I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but no one ever even does it around that time. They usually save it for the draft or for the opening week of free agency. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't expect anything to happen until late June. Um, that's assuming they're even able to get something together. Because, uh, yeah, because DeMar is a free agent, you have to wait till July for everything to clear, even if they do come to an agreement on a sign-in trade somewhere. And LaMarcus, LaMarcus can be traded at any time, but uh, I don't know. Something tells me that people are not going to be all systems go clamoring for LaMarcus Aldridge. Well, I mean, I think a team like the Lakers would. They don't have the assets. They don't have the assets to, That's true. They to, don't have send, to send somebody back. Yeah, they don't. So, okay, but we extended him for another year, correct? Yeah, he's on. The, he's still under contract for one more year. But DeMar's not. No, Demar's a free agent. Fuck. He had. Well, I'll I'll be precise. He has a player option. Yeah, but so he's he not it's back. it's his, it's his choice if he wants to be a free agent. Yeah, he's gonna be a free agent. He's gonna go somewhere else. Understandably so. I mean, we're not obviously. I think both sides understand that it's not a great fit. Um, yeah, but but uh, I mean, even for that, I think it's hard for him to decide to just up and leave somewhere. If he wants to go to a good team, he's gonna need the Spurs help to trade Oh, that's where we can bank on a sign-in trade. Yeah, because right. the only teams with cap space this summer are, like, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Knicks, um, and somebody else. I can't remember who. I guess he but could nobody... go to the Hawks, but even then, it, it's not going to work if he wants to be the guy, because he's not... Yeah, they don't... Um, yeah, they... Let me see here if I can find it. Um, let me see. I think, uh, shoot. I can't find it, but, uh, that's, uh, let me see here. The Hornets, uh, let me see here. No, well, that's, that, I mean, that's the gist of it. There is no team. There's no really good teams that are going to have cap space to be able to just sign a free agent. Yeah, there is no team that signs DeMar DeRozan and becomes a contender. Any team that signs him will, you know, best case scenario, be a middling playoff seed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, I mean, it is somewhat in his better interest to ask for a sign and trade or a sign and then allow us to get something back in return. Yeah, and so, and I've been trying to think of ways to to move him i mean i've like gone through the trade machine trying to figure out like who who would actually want demar Derozan? like it's kind of the bucks what about the bucks of, uh, 
Giannis has been clamoring for help. I mean, they have, they already have, I mean, they have, his second star is Middleton, who has taken a jump this year. I think this, that guy is really, really good. And then after that, I mean, you have, I mean, you, you give up DeRozan and then for, for what? If you, if, if they trade into the Bucks, who do you get back in return that you would be happy with? Yeah, you're right. They don't have anybody. Yeah, they don't have anybody. Like the guys, they do have some young guys that I would be interested in, but nobody who you give up DeMar DeRozan for. And but it's crazy. It's it's such a conflicting thing to talk about his value because we, you know, he's a guy who can easily give you, you know, twenty five points on any given night. But the way that he does it is the way that nobody wants to see it done. And so it's just a strange thing where he's in this purgatory where everybody recognizes him as a really good player, but not good enough to want on your team. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So we're in limbo the there o- with them. Yeah, the only place that I could think of, maybe, would be um, would be Miami. I can see Miami wanting to go all in for either Demar or Lamarcus. They recognize this as a time when they really want to go all in. They just signed Andre Iguodala. They um, they're very very high on their young big man Bam Adebayo, and so. Um, the, the issue there is that they don't have that much young talent. The ones that they do are are guys who are guards. Again, want to clutter up the backcourt. And guys who may be topping out at, like, role players. Really, really good role players. And you, you get someone back hoping that they can be, like, a good starter. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, man. It's just really hard. They would probably have more luck trading LaMarcus. But even then... He's the 34 year. Was he like 34 years old? Yeah. And barely found out this year what the three point line was. <laughs> and and so like, man. Yeah, the Spurs. The Spurs are in a really really tough position. They have the two guys making tons of money, who are probably the most difficult to move. Also. So what if they? Uh, I'm looking at like potential trades. This was back in December though. But um, one of them on there was the Raptors, actually. They'd be trading Ibaka, Norman Powell, and a first-round pick for DeMar. I think that's a lot, isn't it? Uh, uh, I'm not a fan of that. I mean... What about... We talked about the Magic. What about the Magic? The Magic? I mean, that would be the one area of where I would see it. If they give up Aaron Gordon... Yeah. Who, by the way, got robbed again for the dunk contest. I, I didn't but, watch, but I heard. I heard it was bad. You really need to go back and, and look up this look up this All-Star. This was the best All-Star weekend I can remember. I've, I've been hearing it's that, so man. Da- That's crazy. Yeah. Like, it, has, it was so damn good. Like, I do not remember being as engaged in the All-Star weekend since, like, high school. This was a damn good one. They really pulled it off. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, with, I... I I still am of the mindset that Aaron Gordon can be an extremely good player if he went somewhere else. But um, and I would love for that to be the Spurs, but I w- that would require the Magic being willing to take on Demar Derozan and um, you know sorting out the rest of the sorting out the rest of the deal, trying to come up with a good salary space to uh, make a deal like that happen because. Um, they they don't work straight up. Like there's gonna be picks involved. There's gonna be 
role players involved. They would have to sort out the deal, but that would be that would be my best hope. If we come back next year with Aaron Gordon in place of DeMar DeRozan, I would be very, very happy with that. Yeah. That's a stretch, but something we can hope for, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but, man. So, yeah, so, so just... Just your your opinion. How long do you think? Let's say hypothetically we are able to find a sign and trade, but it's not obviously not for a superstar or anything like that. How long do you foresee this rebuild taking? How how long until we're back in the middle rankings of the playoffs? Oh man, I mean, it it depends on who they get, or it depends on what you think of the guys now, like. I, I like Lonnie and DeJounte and Derek, but there is a question of if any of those guys have star potential. Mm-hmm. Like we the you know, like we've been so desperate to see them play and to see them have all the touches that we've kind of fantasized about them. Yeah, like maybe, we're like, like romanticizing thinking, it and they're really not that great. Yeah, like maybe. thinking to ourselves yeah, like thinking to ourselves that these guys are the next stars in the league if they just give them the opportunity. Like, what if they get the opportunity, and they are good, but not stars? Like, what if they're just, like, what if they're just, like, good starters, and then what? But I think if they're good starters, and it's a team of them, not no one that's trying to be a superstar. I think if they're good starters, that's enough for Pop to work into a a championship team. Or even, okay, let let me not get ahead of myself, a, a good playoff team. I mean, maybe, but even like, he's never even, even if that, uh, you know, that is a possibility, but that's still, we still have to acknowledge that this would be the least talented team that he's ever had. Yeah. Like, and so like, I don't like any, any, any version of the Spurs from the previous 15, 20 years would beat a Spurs team now, or Spurs team without DeMar and LaMarcus. And so, like, it just, it really hinges on their star potential. It hinges on who they draft. I mean, it hinges on, you know, can they be the type of team to swoop in on a star? I mean, it sucks to see the young guys go, but, you know, if they have an opportunity to trade some of those young guys for a star, do they do it? Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, the Spurs are at a point where nothing should be untouchable. Right. Everything should be up for grabs until they've established themselves as a star team again, as a, like one of the leading, one of the contending teams in the league again. So we're in crisis mode. Uh, I mean, what is crisis mode? I mean, are they are they tooth are they and nail are, whatever you got to do to survive? Are they the Knicks? No, no, fuck, no, no. We're not that. We still have a chance. We still have a damn chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. I mean, we. It's. It's interesting. They've never been in a position like this in our lifetime. I know. It's and crazy. Uh, yeah, and so, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I genuinely don't think that there's much to look forward to for the rest of the year unless they do decide to start the tank and play the young guys mm-hmm. but um other than that we kind of just gotta wait 
to the summer to see if there's anything more to be inspired by about this team. Yeah, it's something that I'm looking forward to and then also not because, like I said, that would all mean that we don't have a postseason for the first time since we've been fans of the game. So I think that makes it hit a lot harder, the fact that we've never seen this team really, like, lose-lose. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to how we how we finish this season out. I, I just want to see. I I just want it to be June already. Like I want to have gone through all of this and and know where we stand and kind of know what we're about to do. I want to look towards the future. I'm I'm kind of accepting everything. I I still kind of have that hope just because I'm a biased ass super fan. But but uh but yeah, I'm I'm kind of letting go now. I'm learning to let go. So I, I am looking forward to what we move, the way that we move, in the coming months. Okay. So in the so while the Spurs are not clear contenders, who were you rooting for to win the title? Who who am I rooting for? Um, yeah, or or not even for the title, but is there is there a second team that you're becoming to really like? to root for until the Spurs are good again. The Pelicans, man. I, I, I want the I want the uh Lakers to win this year. Um but if I had to yeah, if I had to pick like in the coming years, like let's say I were two or three years out of the playoffs, uh, yeah, I, w- I would love to see the Pelicans in there. In like really in the mix because like I said, it's a young team and a bunch of them were were wronged by their organization. So and they're from New Orleans. Like it's the Pelicans. Who names their team the Pelicans? Like I want to see them do really well. That'd be cool. Okay, that's a good choice. Another team to look out for in the West, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, them and uh, maybe maybe the Nuggets. I like that Murray kid. Oh, Jamal Murray. Yeah. Well, I don't. Okay. I don't much like him, but he's really good. What about you? Yeah. I, I, I am very close to putting together the adoption papers. No, don't for, for the Heat. Oh, okay, for the. Oh, okay. Wow. I really, really like watching the Heat. They are so much fun, and I wish the Spurs kind of modeled themselves after that because after them because like a couple years they were dead in the water, yeah. and nobody gave a shit about Miami, and then they saw the opportunities to just go for it and they did and it's working out for them they got jimmy butler who is looking really really good they got bam out of bio who's been such a good young player for them i think he's going to be like one of the next great big men in the league and they just have a lot of fun young guys they had Derek jones jr who won the slam dunk contest they had tyler hero who can knock down big time threes like i just i just really like the makeup of their team I like them a lot. But they have the luxury that we don't have, which is the luxury of South Beach. Like that that in itself is a is a draw for a superstar like Jimmy Butler, you know what I mean? Like they were able to and they cuz they drafted Hero. I don't did they draft Adebayo? Yeah, they did. Okay, so well, I guess, yeah, it's a mix between luring with your market and and making good draft picks. But I feel like it's a much it's much tougher for us to recover from a fallout than it is for a team in a market such as Miami, New York, or Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, even more fun. Even a- another fun fact: if you <laughs> thought that if you thought that the Spurs were going to be really good anytime soon, also remember they're never going to get free agents. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the worst part, dude. That's what sucks. Because really, okay, a it's a small it's a small market. The one thing that we had going for us were that we were consistent winners. Now that they're gone, the one thing that would draw star veterans is Pop, and he's probably gonna be gone very soon. Like, yeah, we're we're gonna be fucked if we don't make if we don't make perfect choices. We have no room for error. We have no margin for error in San Antonio. Yeah. The last free agent, big time free agent we got was Lamarcus Aldridge. And that was when his choices were go back to Portland or join Phoenix. <laughs> and before that, who was our best free agent? Like Michael Finley? <laughs> yeah, possibly. Well, Robert Ory, we got him in a no, we got him in a trade, I think. But, no, I think we signed him. But even then, we're talking about role players. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, so I don't know. We're doomed. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> okay. All right. You want to wrap up here? Yeah. Yeah. We'll wrap it up there. Okay. All right. Well, this has been Double Shot, a sports podcast. Let us know what you think. Uh, the topics we discussed. We'll be back at you next week with a new slate of material. Until then, pray for the Spurs. <laughs> and do better. Yeah, do better. That too. Number one, do better to pray for the Spurs. <laughs> See you later. All right, see ya.